welcome to the latest episode of Shop on the Pack. I am one of your hosts, Gary Swan, and with me, as always, my co-host extraordinaire, the Devante Adams to my Joe and Ramsey, is James Wagstaff. How are you doing, James? Yeah, feeling good. Getting pretty, pretty excited now for Championship Sunday. Uh, obviously, decided to split up the podcast this week, so bonus content. Um, do a brief preview on, on Thursday, but um, yeah, obviously keen to, to get stuck in and, and sort of talk through another um, impressive Packers victory, really. Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting game. Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about that in uh, the episode we're going to record in a couple of days. Um, but let's let's obviously talk about the main thing we did this week: thirty-two to eighteen to Green Bay. Well, what went right? What went wrong? Yeah, so obviously the get going into the game, it was it was billed as obviously the number one offense against the number one defense, and and you know it transpired that the number one offense is is a downside better than the number one defense in the NFL in 2020. The Packers were able to move the ball seemingly at will. Uh, they they hung 484 yards. Uh, on the number one uh, overall defense, I mean, in order to sort of, sort of punch their ticket to the NFC Championship game, which you know, there's no mean feat putting up that that amount of yardage. And I mean, bar a few miscues, you could argue that they they should have actually probably got more yards. Uh, there was some key drops. Um, say Rogers overthrew um, MVS at one point, and he would have walked in for a touchdown. So there were there was some points left out there. So when you're doing that against the well, the best Statistically, defense in the league, but we're doing something right, and it does give you sort of confidence moving forward. Yeah, we we put up sort of what three hundred passing yards and just one hundred and ninety-ish uh, rushing yards. So it's a pretty good game all around. Um, we kept the I mean, we kind of knew that there was going to be not a lot of receiving yards happening for LA, but we also managed to keep Cam Akers quite quiet, and he's been very good this year. Um, where do you think we were we were accurate on that one? Yeah, I thought that was impressive. I mean, we all know that this Packers run defense is not great. If they can consistently sort of keep running backs to sort of slightly below their peak, uh, obviously we've seen that now with Derek Henry back in, in week 16 and Cam Akers, who were coming off a very impressive uh, performance in, in the wild card round against the Seahawks and has, has late in the season really blossomed as a very impressive running back in, in the league. So, no, it, it's certainly impressive. I think from a defensive point of view, they sort of forced the, the, the Rams into dinking and dunking the ball down the field. You, if you're ever going to give up 21 completions, if it's only 174 yards that you're giving up from a passing perspective, you can't be too pleased with that from a performance level just because you're not going to beat the Packers and get such a high score in offense playing that way. I really think it did play into Mike Pettin's Eva Dream plan, the way that the Rams were sort of tempo and, and, and just sort of dunking, as I say, their way down the field. I think from a Rams perspective, obviously, they, they certainly missed Cooper Cup. Um, he's obviously a very good receiving talent and, and when coupled with, with Robert Woods, neither of them are probably your overall number one receiver, but they're both two very, very good number twos, I'd say. So the fact that they were able to coverage over to, to, to Woods was, was beneficial. Uh, and I think, you know, on the whole, bar a uh, great third quarter performance, I thought the defence played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, the, the defence played, as you said, apart from, the, apart from the sort of traditional third quarter collapse, which always makes my heart race, um, the defence were generally pretty good. Um, the, I think we need to speak a little bit about Alan Lazard. I mean, he had a, he had a bit of an up and down game, but he still put up almost 100 yards. 
um, got himself a touchdown, had a, a nice big 60-yard run. Um, and when Jalen Ramsey was keeping Devontae Adams quite so quiet, that's, that's a pretty good performance, I, don't, I think. Yeah, I, it was impressive. Obviously, coming into this game, that a lot had been made of, obviously, Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey as, as, as one of the key matchups to watch. I mean, on the face of it, 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 in the end, it turned out that Jalen Ramsey wasn't actually covering Devontae Adams all the time. Uh, it was a bit of a mixed match. When Devontae and Jalen did go sort of one-on-one, you'd say that Devontae got the better of him. Uh, obviously, scored a touchdown when they were matched up against each other. Also had another crossing route that, that where he absolutely burnt him off the line which was impressive when you've got a guy with, with so much hype coming into the matchup in Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams just shows that um, yeah who, who's bossing in that match that was quite good to see but you did think that, that, that some of the other sort of Packers role players were going to have to step up and, and as you say Alan Lazard he had a very good game he had that just as the squeaky bum time as you will the, the lead got sort of Brought down to seven points. It was getting a little bit tense. Um, a fumble by AJ Dillon, which thankfully Aaron Rodgers was able to pick up uh, very, very quickly. And it was all getting a bit ooh, squeaky. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers hits Lazard, sort of 52 yard touchdown. And, and at that point, it was game over. It really did just ice the game. And I think. One of the best things about this Packers team is they do always seem to be able to find another gear on offense. If they need to sort of turn it on, that they do have that ability just to kill the game. If the defense starts to let them down a little bit, they can sort of start to pull away. And as I say, this game, it shouldn't have been as close as it was. The Packers dominated really from, from the outset and, and the scoreline probably flatters the Rams. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um... Uh, the, there's, there's a lot of talk of the Aaron Donald injury, obviously, and he definitely was not to his, his full strength. Like you, you can see in the way that he was playing, he wasn't quite the full the full shilling. But that's not to take away from how the O line protected uh, Aaron Rodgers, even without uh, David Bakhtiari in that left tackle position. Uh, I think a lot of credit needs to go to them. Do you not agree? Yeah, absolutely. There, there were five absolute heroes out there uh, on the offensive line, obviously. The fact that Aaron Donald wasn't Aaron Donald, you know, it's, it's always going to be a help. He's, he's arguably one of the best, well, the best player in the league by some metrics, based on how dominant he is compared to the next best player of his position. So the fact that he wasn't sort of 100%, you could see that from the snap count. Typically speaking, he, he tends to play sort of 80 to 90% of all their defensive snaps, whereas he was much closer to about 50%. So clearly he didn't feel right, uh, which... You know, it's a bit of a shame. You, you want to see the best players and the best games uh, at this start, start of the season. It's a shame that he wasn't fully fit. But when you see how well the offensive line performed, Elgin Jenkins was primarily matched up against Aaron Donald when he was on the field. And he, he just erased him, which, you know, there's very few players who, who are able to do that. I think they only gave up one QB hit on Rodgers, which for a, a vaunted Rams defensive line coming into the matchup. I mean, it's not just Aaron Donald. They've got Leonard Floyd, who's had over 10 sacks this season and been a real game wrecker for them as well on the opposite side to, to AD. So, yeah, it was a tremendous performance from the line. And, and I think that, again, we'll talk more about this in our preview on Thursday. It's going to be absolutely imperative that the, the, the guys play up to that sort of level again and give Rodgers the time that he needs in order to operate behind the line of scrimmage on, uh, on Sunday. So we, we spoke a little bit about the various lines and things like that there. I think someone we, need, we, we really need to pick out as someone who's having an absolute season is, uh, is Jerry Alexander. I believe he's the first 
um, cornerback to hold something to negative yardage in a playoff game since like 2006, 2007, something like that, which I, I think deserves like, a round of applause by itself. And that's not that's before you even consider the the D line in, in like uh, Rashan Gary, Kenny Clark, Z Smith, all getting sacks as well. So I think a bit like apart from quarter three, like we discussed, it's been a pretty good defensive thing all around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jar Alexander, we've we mentioned him numerous times in this podcast throughout this season. He really is something else. He's just an utter stud. I mean, all the talk coming into this game, as we mentioned, was all about Jalen Ramsey and how well he's been playing. But I have to argue that Jar Alexander is now at or, or above that level, um, which is incredible. When you put that together, um, as I say, with an offense that is unplayable when they're on, they're on. This Packers team have all the ingredients to be a Super Bowl team. They're obviously they're two games away now, um, and they're obviously going to be two extraordinarily difficult games. But you expect that at this point in the season. But there's nothing to say that as long as the Packers play up to their ability, they don't have the quality to go on and, and win the Lombardi. Obviously, it's such a nice position to be in. You know that it's in your hands and destiny. If you do to take care of what you can control, there's a very good chance that you're going to come out. Um, sort of victorious at the end so yeah it's, it's exciting um, very nervy obviously at this point in time I've been obviously going over and over the sort of potential matches that we were to get there and thinking about that and sort of panicking and worrying about week six and, and this Bucks matchup but you've got to enjoy this time I mean this years after Rogers retires where making the NSC championship game although it's become obviously semi-regular in his, his tenure it won't become a, such an often and frequent uh, occurrence so you, you've just got to enjoy these playoff wins as and when they come um, and yeah the best really well, I don't think it's necessarily going to drop off straight away it depends on how uh, Jordan Love develops or if we can pick up another Potential QB and, and as, like, manages to fall to us later in the draft. Maybe not next uh, April's draft, maybe the one after or something if we need to. But that's a problem for another day. Um, we haven't really touched on the Green Bay Russian uh, running back room. You know, we've got Aaron Jones, uh, Jamal Williams, and AJ Dillon. That's an actual like, one, two, three punch, which is quite unusual, I think. Um, obviously, Aaron Jones got the bulk of yardage, as he often does. But uh, Jamal Williams run up the, up the middle was really quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, you could make it a very, very strong and very compelling argument that the Packers have the most depth in the running back position of, of any team in the league at this point in time. They have three very, very capable running backs. Now, obviously, AJ Dillon had the fumble, which could have been you know, very, very costly had Rodgers not sort of bailed him out. I don't know how much of that was necessarily on AJ Dillon. When you see, um, it, it might well have been that the exchange from Rodgers to Dillon wasn't actually the, the cleanest. Thankfully, obviously, it didn't end up hurting the Packers too much. But, yeah, as a, as a three-headed running back room, it, it, there was some really serious talent. Obviously, Aaron Jones is probably, yeah, he's the most talented. There's no doubt about that. You saw that on that, that massive run he had to start the second half. Just, you know, the, the Rams were to go in behind at halftime, thinking, off oh, we can get a quick stop here. And the first play from scrimmage, Aaron Jones takes it and runs 60 yards upfield, which is just absolute gut punch if you're the, the opposition thinking we're trying to get back into this game and then a few plays later he takes it in for, for the score uh, which really you know helps the Packers from a momentum standpoint to, to sort of start the third quarter as they finish the, the, the second so yeah, really impressive it's not even the first time that Aaron Jones has done that this season if you remember back to the, the Lions game in week three he had a very similar run where first 
play from scrimmage, 75 yards up the gut for a touchdown against the Lions. So he's got that out-and-out breakout speed where he can just take any run and go 50, 60, 70 yards at any moment, which is so hard to come by in this league and, and so impressive when he breaks one like he did. Yeah, so it's not even just the, the up the middle, though. He can, he's got a decent pair of hands on him as well, so he can quite easily go around the outside and be an additional receiver if we need him to as well, you know? Yeah, and that's one thing he's worked on sort of massively in his game is his, his receiving ability. And you can you, you can line him up wide. His route running is good enough where he will catch sort of passes and run sort of receiver routes. So he really is a yeah complete dual threat running back through the air. And, and as mentioned sort of over the weekend, I would love the pack to re-sign him. I know historically all the metrics say you don't re-sign your running back. Perhaps a franchise tag would make more sense. Again, the Packers also have other players they probably need to keep in house. Corey Lindsley, obviously, the, the number one rated center in the league at the, from a BFF standpoint and had an, another incredible season. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult to see who uh, who sticks around next season. Hopefully, it's the, it's the Balkan because if they're getting us this far, then it's you, you'd hope they're starting to buy into the, the Matt LaFleur project, even in the second year. So, if they do stick around, then they can only improve next year. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously, it's all down to financials and the cap space. And obviously, with a reduced cap next year, it could be interesting and difficult for a lot of people. But the one bonus of that is at least we're not the Saints. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they've obviously put themselves in absolute cap hell, uh, the Saints. And uh, now with Drew Brees retiring, you know, it could be a very, very long time before we see the Saints real competitive force in this league again. Um, it depends on how they manage that cap situation. They're probably going to have to let some players go. I've heard rumours that even Michael Thomas could potentially end up on the trade block. He had a very up and down, well, very down season compared to where he was a season ago for the Saints. And they're going to need to, to find creative ways, so to speak, to, to try and manage that cap situation. Yeah, it could be, could be a rough few years in, in New Orleans considering the sort of historic run that they've come off. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's been a lot of talk of basically being a fire sale in New Orleans. Uh, we'll use this little, little nugget as a segue into the Buccaneers Saints game in, shall we? Seeing as it's uh, all NFC just for fun. So, obviously, we had a. Uh, it, it I don't know if you watched it, but it seemed like quite a close game. Um, finished 30 20, but it didn't look like that was a, a completely fair reflection on the scoreline for myself. Um, got to see a little bit of James Winston. Nice big long completion for him, a little bit of redemption for him. But apart from that, it was a bit of a Tom Brady show, wasn't it? He looked so much better than Drew Brees at their age. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that was one of the things that. Stuck out the most whilst watching that game is, is Drew Brees looked washed. He, he, he didn't look like he had it. The, the Bucks defenders knew that. They were just standing short of the sticks and daring him to, to beat them deep. They were they just literally saying, look, we're going to give you nothing short and an intermediate. If you, if you want to beat us, you can be steep. Uh, and he just doesn't have the arm for it anymore and just didn't have that ability to really stretch the defence. And, and once they, they knew that, that he didn't have that ability, they just closer and closer to the line of scrimmage and he ended up throwing three three turns or three picks which you know in your last ever game uh, as a quarterback from a historic fame career is a tough way to to go out um they also had a fumble jared cook fumbled which you know made a huge difference four turnovers for the buccaneers and they turned three of those into touchdowns really they only scored 30 points 21 of them coming off of, of saints turnovers shows that you know that it was the defence that really put Tom Brady in a, in a sort of very reasonable position. That's something obviously the Packers are going to have to watch out for and, and obviously it really hurt the Packers when we played them earlier in the season. Those two uh, pick, one of them obviously returned for a touchdown. 
Um, so, so that's something to obviously be very, very wary of for the Packers. If we, if we can try and keep, we have done for most of the season, a, a very clean game on offense and not give, give them any free uh, field position, then, then we do have a good chance. Um, interesting to see, I would say, Antonio Brown. He picked up a knee injury. I believe he had an MRI. And it's come back. It's not super serious. It's going to be sort of game-time decision by all accounts. Obviously, they've still got uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, so they've still got some reasonable receiving uh, talent there, but something definitely to track throughout the week. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no sort of secret that, that Tom Brady has still got the arm strength. He does still have a lot of weapons on his side. You know, he's got um, uh, Ronald Jones, he's got um, Leonard Fournette in the, in the Russian, uh, the, the running back room, sorry. Um, he's got Chris Godwin, like you mentioned. He's got Mike Evans. He's well, even Gronkowski can still put up a couple of yards when he needs to, but he's been used more as a blocker now. Mm. Antonio Brown scored, I think, touchdowns in his last five games or something like that, four or five games. So he, if he is out, he's going to be, he's going to take away a major threat. I think. I mean, that's more of a conversation for the next pod, but I think that's probably something we need to watch out for. Yeah, no doubt. I say it's that um, they're a very good team and they do seem to be peaking right time. Uh, Tom Brady, obviously, history of ridiculous amount of success in, in the postseason. I mean, you look at the stats, I think it was something ridiculous, like 14 of the last 21 championship weekends Tom Brady has been a part of. That is truly ridiculous. Um, obviously, he's gone to a new team and he's taken the team there as well. Um, it, it is unrivaled. I don't think it will ever be matched uh, just because to have that level of consistently good performance obviously it helps that he was in New England for such a long time and great coach alongside him but now go to a new team admittedly that were, were fairly sort of stacked on both sides of the ball taking there is still very very impressive yeah I think I read some of the outside of Joe Montana I think it was he's the only other quarterback to have played in the NFC and AFC championship games now or will yeah be at the end of the weekend, at least. yeah it's, I mean it's, it's, it's certainly impressive with one season and Funny, funny that uh, Drew Brees had been in the, the conference for as long as he had. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers has been in the conference for a long time and they've never met in, in the playoffs, which I always thought was a weird one. But that has never transpired to be the case. But the fact that Tom Brady comes in and in the first season he's there, he manages to, to face both Brees and Rodgers in the, the playoffs. Just a funny quirk, I suppose. But, uh, but the, the Tampa Bay defense is, is something scary, I think. Um, yeah, Paul and Dominican Sue, really good pair of players. You know, um, do you think it's possible we can get around them? Has to be surely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this defense they're not as good as the Rams' defense, and, and the Packers showed that on on Saturday night that when they're playing to their ability, that it doesn't matter how good your defense is, they're good enough to pick you apart and and do whatever they really want. I truly believe that. The only aberration, I suppose, all season was that one game against the Buccaneers, which obviously you have to take into consideration. But I, I trust consistency and, and seeing it week in, week out. It's a different story, I suppose, to last season, I think, with when you've got the Niners and obviously they absolutely thrashed Packers twice. Um, but the Packers' offense last season wasn't very wasn't consistent. It was very up and down. Whereas this unit, they are they, they were the highest scoring in the league and, and they very consistently put 30 points on the board and that is always going to give you a good chance to win. I do truly believe that the Packers, their offense is good enough to put themselves in a position to win. 
they're, they're going to have to stay mistake free. They can't be giving any deep, good field positions to Tom Brady uh, as they did in the first game. But I do truly believe that the Packers play up to their ability. They, they really should have a good chance to win. There's been a lot of talk of um, obviously the, the weather being a factor, but the other side of that is that Tom Brady and, and Gronk played in the snow for you, so that doesn't really matter. But so because I was one of those people saying that, but the so someone put it to me the other day that it doesn't matter about if Tom Brady and Gronk have played in the snow because not necessarily everyone else on the team has, so it still should be an advantage for Green Bay. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, the main person that you think about, obviously, when playing this, is going to be the opposition quarterback. And, and unfortunately, that's not likely to have that much as an impact with Brady because he did have all those years in New England where it gets pretty fucking cold. But it, the rest of the, of the 53-man roster, they might not be as cold. A lot of people obviously play a lot of the big college teams, typically down in the South. And if they're now playing for a, a team based in Florida, that they might have never played in a particularly cold game. So it's certainly an advantage. You saw that when the Packers played the Titans in week 16. The fact that Devontae Adams in particular was able to sort of make his cuts and look so crisp whilst running in the snow uh, and the defenders didn't seem to really trust their footing too much. So I think it will play a role. It's, it's like, it, by all accounts, it's set to be quite a bit colder than it was against the Rams. I think it's going to be looking be about 10 degrees Fahrenheit uh, colder, so about minus three, minus four. be chilly <laughs> for, for, for the guys. And you do hope that that, that gives the, the Packers an advantage. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the dream, isn't it? Um, right, so let's move on to the Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I don't know if you watched any of this game, but it was fucking boring, mate. So dull. Um, it never really picked up until uh, Lamar Jackson threw his interception and he went for a 101-yard uh, return. But apart from that, it was pretty. I think the weather had a, had a lot, of, a lot, uh, a lot to say about it because the kickers just couldn't get anything through the, through the posts. But apart from that, it was boring as hell. You know, it's a weird game when Justin Tucker misses two field goals. I mean, that just doesn't fucking happen. Like he is Mister Automatic, best kicker in the league by a comfortable margin. You you would argue, and because of he showed over about ten years. Um, there's some other good kickers, uh, but but he has been sort of, as I say, the premier standard of, of kicker in, in this league. Uh, so when he's missing multiple kicks, you know it's got to be bad conditions. Um, I, I did watch the game and I was actually, I was pretty drunk by that point because I was a few beers after the Packers game. But I, from what I recall, um, it, it wasn't a, a spectacle. Obviously, a very defensive slug, which is surprising because both teams have been known for offense I actually put a bet on the the over on the pointage which you know shows how much I know but um, both defenses really clamped down on the on the opposition offenses so there was a lot of punts uh, when they were getting in field as you say the field goals were being missed as you say that it all came really down to that big uh, interception um, for, for a touchdown the Ravens put themselves in a the position they're in the red zone for a touchdown Lamar Jackson makes the, a, a, the wrong read, manages to find a Bills defender and what go down as one of the biggest plays in Bills' recent history. To return it 101 yards is no mean feat, going the length of the field. The, the sucker of all sucker punches, you just think you're about to score a touchdown, or at least come away with three points, uh, and then you end up you're down by another seven. And at that point, in the way that the offense is going up to that point, it just looked like it was a mountain climb, and that, and that was what it sort of eventually turned out. 
help with the fact that Mar Jackson ended up getting concussed um, and pulled out of the game. And some QB that I'd never heard of in my life comes in. You think, Christ Almighty, how is this transpired that you're playing divisional round? What about uh, divisional round game? But there you are. Yeah, I was. I had the same thing. I'm in, a, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of other people who were watching at the same time, and uh, Lamar Jackson went out. But I'd gone up to make a cup of tea at that point because obviously some of us were working during the uh, during the Packers game. Like we, we were busy live tweeting and stuff like that. Obviously, some more than others. Um, but um, yeah, so Lamar went out. I didn't even notice until I come back in. I'm like, who, who the fuck is this guy? Is this RG three? It's not RG three because that's not his number. Where is, is it? Trace McSorley? It's not him because it's not Trace McSorley. Who the fuck is this guy? And uh, and all the guys in the group chat were like, oh, we don't even know who the bloody hell this guy is. So <laughs> he's just that guy. Just pulled him out of the stands because he was wearing a, a relevant numbered shirt. Yeah, like. I mean, I, I had to very quickly Google him. I mean, I saw the name Huntley and I wondered if at one point it might be Brett Huntley. And I thought, surely not, he doesn't look anything like him. But, but I thought, how many beers have I had? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as I say, the, the Bills, they, they seem to find a way to make get it done. I mean, both games thus far in the playoffs, they've actually been... Um, They've given up more yardage than that than they their offenses put up. They found a way to win win both games. You know they do have this kind of feeling of a of sort of team of destiny, and you got you wonder how much the players sort of buy into that, thinking maybe this is just the fairy tale year for us, and, and everything's going to go right. I'm super excited for for the AFC match, uh, championship game um, between the, the Bills and, and the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a cracking matchup. One we'll, we'll preview in in detail on Thursday, but um, yeah, I think we probably couldn't have asked for a much, much better from a QB lineup. You've got, you know, two of the young bucks of the league, Josh Allen, arguably, you know, any other season probably wins MVP. Um, and then you've got Mahomes, who's been obviously incredible since he started. And then the old guard of, of Rodgers and, and Brady, it, it really is mouthful. I think the NFL marketing team must have been licking their chest. I don't think they could probably ask for hope. It, it does almost feel like it could be uh, a change in the guard sort of time. You know, like with, with the two old guys facing off each other and the two young guys facing off each other. And then, well, obviously we, we want like, Rogers to come out with the win for the whole thing. But if it, if it does come down to it and he loses to say Josh Allen, I'd be disappointed but not upset, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if, if I had to choose a team, not the Packers to win, I'd, I'd choose the Bills just because, you know, I, I have a soft spot for them. Uh, I, I would like him to do well. I, I like Josh Allen. I, I really enjoy watching him just because he's a novel experience. So you just don't see someone who's that big, who has that running ability combined with his ability to pass the ball. So it is exciting to, to watch. Obviously, Mahomes, it's almost strange. I mean, last year I was sort of really behind Mahomes to win once the Packers left, but now they've won one. I've kind of, <laughs> now I've kind of gone off him a little bit. So, yeah, they're no longer the Yeah, exactly. They don't have as good of a storyline, I suppose. And no one wants to see Brady win another one. Yeah, we, we, we waxed lyrical quite a lot about um, Josh Allen through the whole se- season, I think. Um, I, was, I think we were fairly big. I mean, I, I know I was, but I think we were both fairly big on him fairly early on. Maybe like week three, week four, he was looking really good. He had a little lull in the middle, which might have put him down a, a little bit in the MVP contention had Rodgers not had such a strong year. Um, but he, he's, his ceiling is massive now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I mean, week three was the, the game that they played the Rams and, and they just absolutely poured it on against the, the Rams. They scored 35 points and they looked really, really good. And I remember sort of thinking after that game, because the first game, two games, they played against the Jets and, and the Dolphins and, and I didn't really sort of put too much stock in those games just because obviously the, the caliber of the 
position. But when they did that against the Rams, uh, who was that, you know, we know, I remember sort of thinking he might have turned a corner. And obviously, so it, it transpired. And, and yeah, it's been really, really great to watch him throughout this season just grow and grow as a quarterback. And certainly someone I'm going to be very intrigued on keeping a tabs on. I think that him and Mahomes could be a real, you know, back and forth. Um, affair in, in the AFC for some time. Yeah, I mean, that would, that's, that's something that would be really good to watch um, uh, develop over the years. That's sort of Mahomes, Josh Allen kind of thing, because they're both very different styles of quarterback as well. Um, Josh Allen's like a big, muscular, sort of like deep ball thrower, whereas Mahomes is very much more, to my untrained eye, at least, he looks a lot more uh, tricky, if that makes sense. Like he's got the little trick plays, the little shovel passes, things like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is something else. I mean, I've watched Rodgers for, for a long time and, and I've always, prior to Mahomes, thought that he was the gold standard in QB play. Didn't always get as lucky as some other quarterbacks in the playoffs. But he, he you, when you watch him week in, week out, the things that he does, and then you watch other teams play and you just don't see anything like that. And then Mahomes came into the league and it was a very similar feeling just watching someone. You just think at any moment this quarterback in this game and away from the opposition and just do something that they're just not expecting. He is, yeah, I mean, I, I think he is still a cut above um, at this point in time that um, Josh Allen will certainly be a good rivalry moving forward. My, uh, my hockey, sorry, I just put a on my, I thought you were going to keep going. Um, my, <laughs> my, my hockey team is the Buffalo Sabres, my NHL team. Mm-hmm. And all over the, the message boards and stuff, obviously Buffalo is obviously where the Bills are from. They've just been going nuts for the Bills all year and it's been doing my absolute boxing. Um, but I can see why. Because it's exciting and it's exciting for for the fan base as well to finally have something to work. And they've got to the playoffs for the first time, was it 24, 25 years and like that. So there's something to be excited about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it's a great time to be to be a Bills fan. Obviously, they've got this season and they've got a real chance. Um, obviously, they're in the final four now. So, so anyone has got a great shot of, of, of taking home a Lombardi. So that's exciting itself. But I think more exciting than that for Bills fans is this shouldn't really be a one-off. They've, they've got a squad that that's been built there now that arguably puts them in contention to be in a position to challenge, you know, for the next five, ten years, as long as, you know, you keep the, the quarterback healthy and you keep his, uh, they keep the team stocked with talent. So, so you're going to have a run at things sort of mo- most years, arguably speaking. And obviously with bad wolf with the Patriots no longer looking like the Patriots uh, in the in the division it is certainly an exciting time to be be a Bills fan but, I mean I might be reading into this far too much but do you think that the Stefan Diggs play uh, trade sorry was the thing that sort of the catalyst for the season give Josh Allen like a proper WR1 I mean it's certainly a, a very very strong contributing factor if obviously there's other factors in play um, but, but getting a a wide receiver, one of his talents, who you know is always going to be there for you to help bail you out in any situation, and just trust yourself a bit more when you throw those balls. You think they're going to be called cool because you've got a player of that ability, and then because of that, you, you grow confidence and you, and you get into the rhythm of things, and then you start to obviously use. They've got a, a very decent um, wide receiver, really. Cole Beasley, one of the best slot guys in the league. There's a few Very better. Right, yeah, absolutely. And and then you, you've got Dawson Knox, the, the tight end, uh, who's pretty decent, nice sort of dark pass catching option. Um, so, so, so they've got some, some genuine talent there on offense. I mean, the running back room is a little bit weak. I reckon it's probably something they'd look to address in, in the draft. 
because they just yeah they've got a lot of talents on on from a receiver perspective. Yeah, they'll probably be uh, hoping that a decent running back does fall to them because they are they're obviously going to be like top. Well, they're obviously going to get like one of the 32, 31, 30, 29, but I can't count. Uh, the the late right, later in the in the draft, so they're, they're going to hope that there's got to be a decent running back uh, that falls to them. I don't know anything about college football. I don't I don't claim to at all, but there seems to be a few coming through this year, so they could they could be like a real force in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So if they can if they can combine what they've got, which is a, a decent defense, we saw that against the Ravens. They obviously completely shut Lamar Jackson that run game down, dared them to, to, to throw, which we've seen on occasions now. When you do that, take away that dimension of the Ravens, they just don't have the ability to script, uh, which is is why we've, we've seen them lose sort of in three consecutive years in the postseason, just because they, they don't have that ability when things get to the game gets tough, so to speak. But they've got that, uh, enough defense. They've got obviously a pretty electric offense. So yeah, if they could add a sort of dominating running back in there, size the limits for the Bills team really. Couldn't agree more. Um, right, let's push on to the last game of the weekend. Then it was I look no, I wasn't in the last one played because I was looking for the Saints Chiefs. But we'll go with this. We'll go um, Chiefs against the Browns. Yeah, so probably more competitive than the most people anticipated um it went down right to the wire um a lot of that was because patrick mahomes had to leave the game with a suspected concussion uh he, they, did you see him wobbling around yeah i mean it, it's not there's nothing suspected about it he was concussed <laughs> you watch the hallmarks of concussion a cliff of him trying to get back up and his legs look like two pieces of spaghetti but um yeah, he didn't look good after that, and they brought in Chad Henney, the backup QB, who promptly threw a pretty horrific-looking interception, um, and it gave the Browns a chance. They they had the ball down five points. You know, they could have put themselves in the lead. They weren't able to get it done on, on offense. They ended up punting, and they never got the ball back. Um, it, it was probably, as I say, it was closer than, than it should have been. Um, Kansas City missed couple of field goals and, and they sort of kept themselves of the Browns and then as I say it went really really close when Mahomes went out Kenny he came up fucking big in the end made a very miraculous play on on fourth and third, uh, fourth and 14 he got a 13 yard run and then big old ballsy Andy Reid calls a, a shotgun pass to Tyreek Hill and fourth and one with the ball at midfield, which is just, you know, pair of fucking stones you're ever likely to see. If they if they don't, you know, they've got their back QB and like, they, they could have called a run and maybe get a yard, a QB sneak, but they, they decide to throw it. They don't get that. They give the ball back to Cleveland at midfield with a chance to drive down about a minute and a half left um, to win the game. So to do it and execute it perfectly with your backup QB, there's a reason why sort of we've spoken about some coaches and their decision making. You've got to trust the guys sometimes to get it done, and that's what it did, and that's what they did. And yeah, Chiefs, as they continue to do, find a way uh, to, to sort of muddle their way through. But it have to start to worry that one of these games they're, they're not going to sort of come up for. Yeah, I, I read a lot about that the last couple of days, and that there's pretty much no other coach in the league that does that who, who trusts his players that much, even his backups, to just. We can win. We can either give the ball back to them and try and stop them to uh, kill the game that way, or we could just kill it ourselves. 
and that's what he did. There's, there's, as you said, like, no one else will have the would have the minerals to do that. So I think it's a massive play for Andy Reid. It's, it's full on. Um, he wants that championship again. He's had one now. He wants another. Yeah, I mean that's a coach who just he's not living in his own fears. He, he trusts his instinct. He, he thinks we've got an opportunity to win this game here. Most coaches at that point, when it gets fourth and one, they punt the ball and say, look, Mayfield, you've got to go 80-odd yards um, to try and score a touchdown in a minute and a half with no timeouts. Likelihood you're not going to do that. But he doesn't even give them the opportunity. He says, look, I'm not giving you have an opportunity. We are winning this game right now. It doesn't matter if my backup QB is in. We're doing it. I'm going to pull the perfect play. Tyree Kill, you know, we've seen this play before. They've actually done a similar play on two other occasions this season, once against the Bucks um, earlier and then another time. I can't recall who the team was against, but, but they have done this in, in multiple games this season. And, you know, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, they're the guys that are going to go to when they need something. And, uh, and lo and behold, they did it in this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like they, 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 uh, I was say? The, the big thing to worry about for next week for the Bills is whether or not uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be back. Because obviously under, under concussion protocol, he has to have what, at least three days out then take a medical or something like that. So if he's back in, they they probably don't stand as much of a chance as if they're up against Chad Henney from the start. Yeah, I mean, you certainly think of it. if Chad Henney's in from the start, you've got to think that the Buffalo would be the favourites, even though it's in Arrowhead. I mean, Chad Henney made a big play late in the game or two big plays, but he also threw a horrific interception and there's a reason why he's a backup QB, ultimately speaking, uh, against the guys that we've discussed, length, Josh Allen playing at an MVP level for most of this season. Um, you've got to, got to think the Bills would have enough in that in that scenario. So, yeah, it's going to be huge throughout this week. Uh, what, what happens? Obviously, the concussion protocol, they're very strict these days with all the, the concern around head injuries and there's a number of cognitive tests that they'll have to, to have to do throughout the week. But typically what they'll do is they'll te- make you take a, a test at the start of the season before a ball's kicked um, and say, look, what mark do you get on this test? And then bring you out uh, and they'll test you all throughout the season. Um, but you have to get back to or close to what you scored before the season. So if he's not getting anywhere close to the, that score, then he won't be up. It's as simple as that. Very, very interesting to watch throughout this week because it's going to be a huge storyline if he can't. Yeah, no, if, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't start, then that's the, the Chiefs will probably sit there and claim that as that's why they lost. Not, not because they were outplayed by the Bills or whatever else, it'd be because there's no Mahomes. Um, I think we need to talk a little bit about the Browns here because they started this season fucking piss poor. Was it like 40 something to seven or something? Shoot about 40 something to three. Um, Against the Ravens, and they've just developed. They've had a lot of off weeks, and Baker's been Baker, but they they finished eleven and five for the regular season, then beat the Steelers. So they they've not had a bad run this year. It just shows what good coaching can do for an average team. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know that they've been fairly impressive this season. I'll be intrigued to see how they they go. It does feel as though something is building. If you look back over the last few seasons, that they're, they're they're progressively getting better now. An eleven and five record in a lot of seasons might win you a division. Um, in their division, the AFC North this season, it's obviously pretty tough with the Steelers and the Ravens, and they actually finished third. Obviously, good enough for the, to make the playoffs, but um, in a lot of seasons, eleven and five is probably going to get it done to win, win a division title. Um, so, so, you know, they, they have had a very, very good 
good season. A lot of teams obviously very happy with that that sort of record. And then to win a playoff game against one of our arch rivals and Steelers in their building is impressive. And they took the Chiefs down to the wire. Yes, it, it was sort of mitigating circumstances. Chiefs, uh, the Browns also got pretty unlucky. Obviously, they had the ball um, with a chance to score a touchdown. Their player dives to the end zone and fumbled. It rolls through the end zone and out and out of bounds and leads to a, a touchback ball back to Kansas City. Now, it's, I always think it's a fucking shit rule because I don't see why if you fumble the ball out of bounds in any other part of the field, you keep because they haven't recovered it. But if you fumble it around the goal line and it goes out of the end zone and out of bounds. Uh, then the opposition get it. I always thought it's a bit stupid. I think that unless they, there's a clear recovery, then I don't see why the opposition should benefit so much. Um, I think it's certainly something that they should, should look look at. And you do wonder if that they'd have scored. Obviously, they only lost by five, and that would have been six points, and they were on the sort of inch line when the ball was fumbled. So, you know, that this game could have gone another way. Um, and that's not even talking about the fact that Darren Sorensen, the, the Chiefs player who forced the fumble with a massive hit was was, was helmet to helmet. It probably should have been called as a, as a penalty anyway, even um, if you agree with this rather stupid rule. So they were unlucky, um, you could argue. I, I think that on the day the Chiefs were still the best side, and again, not been from Mahomes going out, I think it would have still been relatively comfortable. But, you know, they're, they're certainly building something in Cleveland and interesting to see how Fancy goes a very impressive head coach season, and so yeah, you know, see how that how they go and continue to build on this next season. I think they've got a real shot. Steelers likely taking a bit of a back, particularly if Roethlisberger um, retires. They have a good chance that they could realistically compete for a division. Yeah, no, I, 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 you basically said what I was going to say there. Like if uh, if Big Ben does retire, then he's then the, the Browns have probably got a, a, a stronger shot. Um, the where, where do you, what do you think the, the Browns need then to get them over the line? Then because obviously they've got a really strong running back room. The, the QB is coming on, shall we say? Um, they, they obviously they lost OBJ reasonably early in the season. Jarvis Landry's had to pick up all of the slack off the back of that. So I would argue probably wide receivers what they need, and maybe a couple of O line bits. Yeah, uh, I, I'd argue that their defence, uh, their secondary in particular, has been pretty poor. Um, it's, they've got a lot of points. Um, and obviously, their, their offence has been up to the task in a lot of games. Um, they, they've scored a lot of points as well this season. As you say, they've got a pretty dominating maker, I'd say, is sort of slightly above league average as a QB at this point in time. So, he's not really going to cost you many games, but he probably isn't going to win you that many games, which is he is at the moment, which is not the worst position. He's more bit bit of a game management manager at this point. Obviously, when he came in in his rookie season, he looked electric. Everyone sort of really high hopes for him, but he has never quite developed to be a superstar at this point. I think he's he's okay. I think the Browns will probably sign him and they'll probably give him too much money because that's what typically happens. And that's where you end up in a Jared Goff, Carson Wentz situation where you've got a middling QB that's taking up an absurd amount of your cap space and. and it, if that middling QB has a down year, they move towards the sort of middle, lower tier of QBs in the league, then it really, really screw you over. So it'll be interesting to see what they pay Baker. I mean, you see, when you see a quarterback as Herbert, I know we've spoken about him at length this season, but you think well, there's a QB that's clearly just got it. 
that after sort of one season. And Browns, I think at this point, we, we've seen enough of Baker to know that he's probably never going to be a superstar, I don't think. I don't think he's ever going to raise his game to that sort of level. So it will be interesting. I think they'll definitely pick up his fifth-year option uh, for next season, which will so be fairly cheap. It will be intriguing to see how he plays next season, whether or not, on how much money they will after that. You know, I mean, as much as you're saying that he's, he's middle of the road, I quite like Baker. If it comes down to it and the and it times right, I wouldn't necessarily mind Baker being at Green Bay for a couple of seasons. Just like in a transition sort of, sort of period, because he'd have like experience and he's, he's been to the playoffs with it for the experience as well now. So there's, you know, and if he, if he does well under Stefanski, then there's no reason why he wouldn't do well under the floor. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. As I say, he's not a bad quarterback. There's a lot of worst quarterback as I say I just don't think that he's ever going to be one of those superstars to beat stud QBs and I think that when you look back at the teams that have won Super Bowls over the last 10, 15, 20 years it's very seldom that the guys who win Super Bowls they have a, a sort of an average quarterback they're usually absolute superstars that's just the the, the nature of the, this league so can he get them consistently to the playoffs yeah, I think he probably can uh, with a good team around him. Do I think that, that they have the ability with him to win a Super Bowl? Not so sure. Uh, fair enough. Um, right then, James, we'll probably, we'll probably leave that there. We won't do MVP and Mr. Irvin like we do every other week because we've got two pods this week, you know, so we'll, uh, we'll leave that till next week. So, well, next week, next episode, sorry. Um, yeah, we can probably leave that there for today unless you've got anything else you want to talk about. No, exciting to obviously speak again on Thursday. Um, obviously, very, very excited for this Buccaneers NFC Championship game uh, rematch um, of the game in week six, where the Packers worst game of their season, but we won't talk about that. But, yeah, exactly. It's um, all setting up to be obviously a really, really, really good championship Monday. Um, hopefully, it ends with the Packers uh, with a playoff uh, Super Bowl berth. Um, first Super Bowl trip since since 2010, 2011 season. Um, so that would be obviously tremendous. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting yeah. It would be my first Super Bowl trip as a Packers fan. But I've watched Super Bowls in years gone past. But as I say, it's only, as I said at the start of the season, it's only really been this season or last season. I've sort of really followed the Packers a bit more in depth. So it'd be quite nice for me to get there this year, just as a general thing. Um, but other than that, James, uh, if there's anyone still listening at this point, you can follow us on Twitter at ShufflePack or you can email the pod with any old horseshit at ShufflePackPod at gmail.com. Um, no, that's pretty much it. Eh? Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.